welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church weekly sermons. This is the morning service of Sunday the 4th of December 2011, entitled To the Jew First. And the Bible reading is taken from Romans chapter 1 verse 16. Here's Brother Chris Mansfield. I've had this message on my heart for about three months and uh, there's been a bit of a queue to get into the pulpit as uh, everyone's fighting to preach. <laughs> so, uh, if you look in your bulletin, today, the, the title is called To the Jew First. If you turn to Romans 1.16, that is our scripture that we're going to uh, be looking at today. If you'd like to stand just for the reading of this, uh, this scripture, it's a good scripture. Just to honour the reading of God's word. The Bible says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation, to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. Um, a few months back, if you'd like to be seated, um, a few months back, uh, it might be even four months back now, um, the church visited the Open Day at the uh, Society for the Distribution of the Hebrew Scriptures. And uh, this is a, a group of believers that the church supports financially every month. And this, uh, this year, the children are collecting money for those, um, these missionaries and they um, publish um, Old Testaments and New Testaments in Hebrew and the native language of the Jewish people wherever they are in the world. And um, we went to the open day and we were, uh, everyone that went was greatly encouraged. And um, we heard of how um, lots of these uh, people go door to door distributing these Bibles that are given away free um, with Hebrew and Italian or Hebrew and whatever language is on the, so it's like a dual language Bible. And these um, Jewish people can't believe that um, there is Christians out there that pray for them, that love them, and that are giving them this free gift of this Bible. And a lot of them are receiving this, the Old Testament and some CD-ROMs with the New Testament on, uh, New Testament on and even some New Testament Bibles uh, where they can receive the Word of God. Um, some of them have got a great fear of the New Testament, they think it's a very alien book to them, but as soon as they start reading it, they find out that it just follows on. It's very Jewish, and um, it's like home from home for them. And some, through this work, are accepting the Lord Jesus Christ as their Mashiach, as their Messiah. And um, we all came back from um, the meetings there. There were stacks of Bibles on pallets, thousands of Bibles being distributed across the world. And um, from that point, I wanted to bring this message to the Jew first. And um, I'm about as Jewish as a bacon sandwich. Um, but as soon as I became a Christian, um, I started to read the Bible. And I've got, I've, you know, I'm a plumber by trade. I've got no theological training. But I've read the Word of God and I've studied it. And I've, you know, tried to live it as best as I can. And, the, you know, the first thing that I realized was that the Lord's coming back. And then the next thing that I realized was that of the Lord's people, the Jewish nation, and the reports that you get from the news is very different from what the Word of God has to say. And um, the Jewish people are God's chosen people. And um, I'm glad for this church for lots of reasons, but for one reason is that prayer goes up for the Jewish nation. If you um, have got the time set aside for the Wednesday prayer meeting, regularly prayers are said for the peace of Jerusalem. 
heartfelt prayers for the Jewish people to come to their Messiah. Um, and it's an encouragement to me that um, there is a core of uh, Christians within this church that really do love the Jewish people, that pray for them not just only on a Wednesday night, but regularly. And um, it's a blessing to me. So in Romans 1.16, it says, to the Jew first. So first of all, we're going to look at how the Jewish people have priority over the Greeks or over the, the Gentiles. Um, let's look at what the, the scriptures have to say. So first of all, as I've already mentioned, the Jews, um, the people of God, they're God's chosen people. Um, if you look in Romans 11, it says, has he forsaken his people? Certainly not. God has got one chosen people, and that is the Jewish people. Um, so the Jewish people have pro um, priority over the rest of the, the peoples of the earth because they are God's chosen people. And we read this in Genesis 12. Um, God chose his um, Abraham and his descendants, and he freely calls them out of all of the world to be a blessed people, and God chose to reveal himself through this group of people, through his promises, and through his covenants. And if you um, like to turn to Nehemiah 9.7, it says there, Thou art the Lord God, who didst choose Abram, and brought us him forth out of Ur of the Chaldees, and give us him the name Abraham. So God chose Abraham. God chose Abraham out of every single person on the face of this planet, and he chose him. In Deuteronomy 14.2, it says there, this is about the Jewish people, for thou art a holy people unto the Lord thy God, and the Lord has chosen thee to be a peculiar people unto himself above all nations that are upon the face of the earth. So that's from Deuteronomy 14.2. And then in the New Testament, in Romans 11, uh, 28 and 29, it says there, As touching the election, they are beloved for the Father's sake, for the gifts and the calling of God are without repentance. Now that scripture means once God has called a people to himself, he cannot not call that people. Once they are chosen, he can't repent and say that he hasn't chosen them. Every, that one thing, every single covenant of God would collapse if he didn't stick to his promises. And that's why it says there, the gifts and the calling of God are without repentance. Once he's called us to salvation, we can't go back on our salvation. Once for all, he has called the Jewish people and he can never go back on calling the Jewish people. Now we know that the Jewish people are in a state of rebellion. They refuse, the majority of them, to accept the Lord Jesus Christ as their saviour. But that doesn't mean that they're not his chosen people. God has divorced Israel, the Bible says. God has put them away. But there's going to be a time when he's going to regather them back to himself, just like the Lord Jesus Christ said, I wish that I could gather them like a mother hen under those wings. He wants them to come back. At this time, for the sake of us, they are in a state of divorce. God has turned his face away from them and we're in what the Bible calls the times of the Gentiles. But God's people primarily are the Jewish people. We're his church, but he's got a people 
a nation which is Israel. So, so the Jewish people have priority over the Gentiles because they are special in God's role. They are elect, they are chosen. God set his favor on them and set them apart from all the people on the earth. Not because the Jewish people are any way special or of any special value, but simply because God decided to choose them. And that's the only reason. I believe that there's nothing, nothing special about the Jewish people, but there's very, something very special about the God of the Jewish people. So that's one way in which the Jews have got a priority over the Gentiles, that they're God's chosen people. And we do say, don't we, we're a peculiar, uh, peculiar people. But really, that is to the Jewish nation. We do say a lot of things that are to the Jews that we apply, and we say things, but really, a peculiar people is the Jewish people. God has called them. So, number one, they are God's chosen people, okay? Um, number two is that God um, chose to reveal himself and reveal the oracles of God firstly and primarily to the Jewish people. Um, if you turn to Deuteronomy 7, it says there in 7 and 8, The Lord did set his love upon thee, nor choose thee because they are more numberable than the people, or ye that were the fewest of the people, but because the Lord beloved you, and because he would keep his oath, which he swore unto your fathers, hath the Lord brought you out, of, out with a mighty hand, and redeemed you out of the house of bondage from the hand of the Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. So there, God has chosen these people. And the second way is that God has revealed the holy things of God to the Jewish people. And that is number two, that God gave them and revealed himself to them through basically the Old Testament. And we read that in Romans 3.1, if you'd like to turn there. God revealed himself firstly to the Jewish people. <clears throat> and it says there in Romans 3, 1 and 2, what advantage hath the Jew or what profit there be circumcision? For in every way, chiefly because unto them he committed the oracles of God. Okay? So number two, God revealed himself and revealed himself firstly to the Jewish people, so they have a prominence over the rest of the nations of the earth because God chose to reveal those oracles of God to the Jewish people first. Paul says here that what advantage has the Jew or what benefit has circumcision? In verse 2 it says that they were entrusted with the ways, the oracles, the way in which God wanted to reveal himself to the Jewish people. This was through Moses, this was through the prophets, this was through these historical books that we've got in the New Old Testament. He revealed himself to Israel through special revelation. So they have prominence over the Gentile nations, number one, because they are chosen, number two, because God revealed himself first to the Jewish people. In Romans 9.4, it says there, who are Israelites to whom pertaineth the adoption and the glory and the covenants and the giving of the law and the services of God and the promises? So that is a scripture from the New Testament saying that God has given those 
um, given the law, given the services of God, given the promises, given the covenants, given the glory, given adoption over firstly and primarily to the Jewish people. Um, so the Jews have priority in having the, the scriptures before we did, before the Gentile nations did. Um, these scriptures, you know, really every single page of every single part of the Bible is revealing one person, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Jewish people had this, they had the oracles of God being revealed to them, foreshadowing the Lord Jesus Christ. So they were primarily given over to the oracles of God. Number three is that Jesus came firstly as a Jew to who? To the Jewish people firstly. And in Romans 1.3 it says, Jesus there was a Jew of the son of David. Now, you may have a... You might close your eyes. I don't particularly close my eyes when I pray, and a few people notice that. Now, I'm not weird, but I find it more distracting to close my eyes than I do to not. But if you've closed your eyes and you've got a blue-eyed, blonde-haired, blonde-beard Jesus, that's not a Jesus of the Word of God. That is a figment of someone's imagination. Jesus was a Jew. Jesus was not some blonde-haired, blue-eyed Scandinavian, he was a Jew, and we know what the Jewish people look like, olive-skinned, dark hair, well, the majority of Jewish people. So Jesus was a Jew, and he first came to the Jewish people. So number three, they have prominence because they had the, the, the benefit of receiving the gospel, receiving the Lord Jesus Christ before anyone else. Okay, so they, Jesus came to his own people of the tribe of David to the Jewish people. And let's just turn to Matthew 10, and we'll read there, 5 and 6. So Jesus came firstly to his own people, and he says this to the twelve. Jesus sent forth his commandments, saying unto them, Go not into the way of the Gentiles, unto any city of Samaria, and enter ye not, but go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. So firstly, after Jesus had gone to um, the Jewish people, he even sent his disciples out firstly to the Jewish people. And he says, don't go yet into the Gentile nations. Go to the lost sheep of Israel. Jesus firstly focused his earthly ministry on his own people, the Jews. They had a priority in his work. Jesus was sent firstly to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as it says in um, Matthew 15, 24. So we've got they God's chosen people. They were revealed the oracles of God. Jesus firstly came to the Jewish people. So there are three things in which they have got prominence over the Gentile world. Um, number four, in which the Jews have priority over the Gentiles or the Greeks, is that salvation is from the Jewish people. And we read that in John 4, 22. And Brother Pete was uh, discussing this scripture on uh, Wednesday and did an excellent job. And he got no idea that this was going to be uh, preached on today. Um, so in John 4, 22, um, Jesus says that you worship, 
you know not what we worship, what we worship for. Salvation is of the Jews, and that was to the woman at the well. So the Bible says there that salvation is of the Jews. The, Jewish, the Jews are a chosen nation with God's special revelation revealed to them, the nation with the Messiah. This is basically summing up what we've looked at. Clearly, without any need for more study, salvation is of the Jews. They are custodians of the covenants. They, um, there's no way of getting around that, that salvation was coming through the Jewish people. We've got a Messiah that came from the house of David. So um, salvation is clearly coming through this Jewish nation, through the Jewish people. And if you turn to Romans 11, Romans 11, 17. And if some of the branches are broken off, and thou, being a wide olive tree, were grafted among them, and with them partakers of the root of fatness of the olive tree, boast not against the branches. For if thou boast, bearing not the root, but the root thee, wilt thou not say, the branches were broken off, that I might be grafted in, well, because of the unbelief, they were broken off, and thou stand, standeth by faith, not high-minded, but fear. For if God spared not the natural branches, taking heed, lest he also spare not thee. Behold, therefore, the goodness and the severity of God, on which all severity towards thee, goodness, if thou continue in goodness, otherwise thou shalt be cut off. And they also, if they abide, not still in unbelief, shall be grafted in, for God is able to graft them in again. For if it were cut, off, cut out of the olive tree, which is wild by um, nature, and were grafted contrary nature into a good olive tree, how much shall they, how much these uh, be natural branches be grafted into their own olive tree? So there is a picture of the blessing of God within a tree the olive tree, the Jewish people are drawing their nutrients, the blessings of God from the olive tree. Because we've already said the Jewish people are in a state of unbelief, they, their branches are broken off. And if you're a Christian today, you have been grafted in from an unnatural olive tree into the olive tree of God, grafted in, and you are drawing your spiritual blessing from a Jewish root. And it says we mustn't boast against the root because our nutrients is coming from this tree the olive tree which is the blessings of God that are poured out on a Jewish people so clearly salvation is from the Jews and we draw our nutrients from the Jewish people grafted into the blessings of God so Paul compares the blessings of the Jewish nation to that of an olive tree he says natural branches are broken off, that is the Jewish people in unbelief, and unnatural branches are grafted in. That is you today if you're a Christian and you're not a Jew. Unbelieving Jews are broken off and believing Gentiles or Greeks are grafted into the covenant promises of God in a spiritual way. This is a humbling scripture which should remove all arrogance. Remember that it is not you who support the root. The root supports, I think, every single one of us, unless you're a Jew in this place today. The root is supporting us. We must not be arrogant. If it wasn't for the Jewish people, we would now have no blessings at all. Salvation comes to us Gentiles from the root of God's covenant 
to the Jewish people. Now, when we're talking about the olive tree, people use this scripture to say that you can once be saved and then be broken off and then not be saved. No, the olive tree is nothing to do with salvation. It is to do with the blessings of God. Okay? You can receive, you can be grafted in and receive the blessings of God, or you can be broken off and not receive the blessings of God. You can't, Brother Steve is going through the assurance of salvation in the early morning Bible studies, and I'm sure that he's going to be looking at Romans 11 when he gets there. It's not to do with your salvation. It's to do with the blessings of God, bring nutrients from the blessing of God. Um, this scripture is took out of context when it is to do with you're broken off and you've lost your salvation because it's to do with the covenants. We, there is no covenants that are given to the church. The covenants are given to the Jewish people. Now, we reap spiritual blessing from the covenants of God. Um, Jeremiah 31, I will cut a new covenant with the house of Israel. Now, that covenant is to the house of Israel. That covenant is to do with salvation. We receive the spiritual benefits of God's covenant to the Jewish people through their Messiah, but the covenant is not cut with us. It's to the house of, house of Israel. It's very different. There is no covenants in the church. The covenants are for Israel. And because otherwise, we'd need to have the land covenant. And that's where the mixture gets mixed up with amillennial, postmillennial, premillennial, and they get mixed up because of they adopt the covenants of God into the church where every single one of the covenants of God are for Israel. Otherwise, we'd have to, be, we'd have to all go to Israel and claim the land, wouldn't we? That covenant, um, the Abrahamic covenant, is for the house of Israel, not for the church. Very distinct differences. One head, the Lord Jesus Christ, but very distinct differences. I hope that makes sense. So clearly, once you're not broken off from salvation, you're broken off from blessing. Okay? So, in um, Galatians 3.7, it says there that the... Um, the Gentile people are reckoned as children of faith in Abraham. Now, another reason why the Jewish people need to have prominence within um, Scripture is that just like Jesus went firstly to the Jewish people, and we heard there that he told them not to go to Samaria, and not, but another time he sends them out once the Jewish people had said these words, that it's Baalzebub, the Lord of the flies, that he's doing the miracles, that he's cast that demon out, that is the point where God put Israel away. That was the national sin of rejecting the Lord Jesus Christ as their national saviour, as their Messiah, as their Mashiach, as their anointed one. Once they said... It's not that he's receiving his power from God, but he's receiving his power to cast demons out from Beelzebub, the Lord of the flies. God, at that point, put Israel away. And then you will find that all the Messianic miracles that the Lord Jesus Christ did before that point, he, he acts then on mercy. He'll see a man that needs healing. He'll see a blind beggar. He'll see the woman at the well. He will then send his disciples out to Samaria. He himself went to Samaria. He will then go into the Gentile world. 
because Israel at that point is put away. But that doesn't mean that we don't return again to the Jewish people. Now, Paul was a, an apostle to the Gentiles, wasn't he? But even Paul, following the example of the Lord Jesus Christ, every time Paul went to a new place, he sought the Jewish people out because he had saw the Lord Jesus Christ on that road. The Lord had revealed to him for nine years. He went to Arabia and the Lord revealed to him lots of things. And Paul took that example of the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul was a Jewish man. And every single new place that he went to, just like the Lord Jesus Christ, he sought the Jewish people out to give them the gospel first. And a good example of this is in Acts 13, 46, if we turn there. Because it's the word of God that's our final authority. Acts 13, 46. Then Paul and Barnabas waxed bold and said, It was necessary that the word of God should first be spoken to you, but seeing ye um, put it, it from you, have judged yourselves of worthy of everlasting life, lo, we turned to the Gentiles. So Paul went to the Jewish people. They said, we don't want it. So he says, okay, I've gone over to the Jewish people first. You don't want it. I am now going to go to the Gentile people, the rest of the people that are in that place. Now, this is a good example of evangelism. Now, I'm not saying that we should be knocking every, you know, finding out where the Jewish people are. We should know the principle behind this. Jesus went to the Jewish people first with the gospel. The apostle Paul, who was sent to the Gentiles, also went to the Jewish people first. And we know that Paul regularly met where? In the synagogues, didn't he? Discussing things with the Jewish people first. So even though he was sent to the Gentile people, his heart was still to draw Jewish people to their own Messiah. God has chose Israel and revealed himself to Israel and sent the Messiah, the Saviour, to Israel. It is right to spread the gospel to new places, but the Jewish people must hear first if they're there. And Paul, Paul sought continually to speak in the synagogues. Now, if I was to say to you, Hudson Tyler, which group of people would automatically come into your mind? Chinese people, wouldn't it? But did you know, I mean, the work that Hudson Tyler did was just tremendous, wasn't it? This was a time where, I mean, there are a few churches now in China, but when Hudson Tyler went there, there was nothing. He stood up against every single, the emperor and all different things, and it was a really hard work. But did you know, we've said Hudson Tyler, he was a missionary to the Chinese people, but did you know that... Um, Despite of him having a desire to reach the Chinese people, that he also had this same principle. He strongly believed that the gospel should be evangelized firstly to the Jewish people. And he greatly supported financially and prayerfully Jewish missions. Now, I can't help but think that because of that one principle of him praying and financially supporting the Jewish people, his name is still said to this day in honour of his work to the Chinese people. Now, <clears throat> we've looked at, as Romans 1.16 says, 
to the Jew first. But is it a one-off thing? Is it something that we do as a church once we find out where every single Jewish person is in the area around us? And then that is it. The Lord Jesus Christ went to the Jewish people and um, Paul the Apostle went to the Jewish people. But do we need to do it once and for all? Or can we have the excuse, well, Jesus went and they refused it. Paul went and they refused it. Why do we need to even bother again with the Jewish people at all? They've had their chance, you could say. Now, that has been said to me in a church. Now, that is blatantly and unbiblical, and that comes from wrong theology. The Bible says in another way, seek ye first the kingdom of God. Does that mean that we want to seek God's kingdom first and then we stop? Or is it a continually seeking God's kingdom first? Do we stop? I mean, we come to salvation, don't we? And we are saved but it says, set your mind on things above. Is that just a one, you know, you do it once in your whole of your Christian life and then you forget it? Or is it a continual thing that you're setting your mind on things of God, where the kingdom of God is? Is our mind set once on the kingdom of God, as it says in Matthew 6.33? Seek ye first the kingdom of God first. Is that a one-off thing? We'd say, no, it's not a one-off thing. We continually seek the kingdom of God. So when the Bible says first, it's not a one-off, never to be done again. It's a one-off priority first to be continually done first over and over and over again. Now, when I was in this other church, they were talking um, about trying to evangelize um, the local area. And um, they said, we need a week of prayer. And I took this serious as... You know, evangelism is serious, and I prayed, and I thought this church rejected Israel as they thought they were Israel. They were spiritual Israel. There were some people that believed that they were spiritual Jews, even though they were got not one bit of Jewish blood in them at all. They were spiritual Israel, and they rejected the Jewish people. They, there was Christians without no shadow of a doubt. They accepted the Lord Jesus Christ, but they rejected Israel, and. The congregation, you could say well, there were a third that loved the Lord, the Lord loved Israel and two-thirds and the leadership that rejected Israel. And I was at home praying and seeking the Lord over evangelism and through reading different things and praying, I thought if the church supported Jewish mission, God would bless any other missions that the church supported. And we had a meeting to discuss how we could reach the community. And um, I knew this was from God. Without no shadow of a doubt, I knew it wasn't from me. You know, when you just know it's from God. And I put my hand up. And now I was, if you like, standing against the leadership, standing against two-thirds of the congregation, and the church was over 100 strong. And I said, the Bible says to the Jew first, if we was to seek out Jewish mission... God would bless us in our evangelism when we're knocking doors around the local area. And the response was, Jesus went to the Jews, it's done, and they rejected it. Do you know, they haven't got a clue how to evangelize at all, this, the church there. They've got no idea. It's, all like, it's a very social thing. Come, we've got this for the young, and we've got this for the teenagers, and we've got this. It's about one person. It's about the Lord Jesus Christ, who was a Jew. And what I'm trying to say is, 
when we, we know that we must seek continually the kingdom of God, the Bible says, seek ye first the kingdom of God. But it's not a once off, once and for all, you seek it and that's done. The Bible says, to the Jew first. Does that mean that that's done and never to be gone back ever again because they've rejected it? The Bible is not saying that at all. It's a continual seeking. It's a continual praying. And I thank God that I'm in, now in a church that loves the Jewish people, that prays for them. You know, if you just look at how much money is given out from people that haven't got much money to the work of the gospel spread across the whole of this world, it might be just from this one support for this Jewish um, evangelism that we're doing, that God is blessing every single, everything else that we're doing from um, just giving these Bibles out through this uh, distribution of the Hebrew Scriptures because the Bible says to the Jew first. So we must pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Now the peace there does not mean a cease of war. It means a peace with God. That's what that scripture is saying. And the only peace with God that the Jewish people can have is coming humbly and accepting their Messiah. When he comes back, he's going to have the malprints on his hands. They're going to realize that the Messiah that they thought was sent from the devil was the Lord of the flies, was actually their Messiah. And they're going to be humbled and believe. And God's going to gather them again a second time, the Bible says. But there is another reason why we need to seek and evangelize and try and pray, at least pray for Jewish missions and pray for the evangelism and pray that when we are on in Birmingham Town Centre that we do meet Jewish people and we can give Jewish tracts out. There's another reason. Turn to Isaiah 40. I read this. I might cry again. <laughs> I read this this morning and there was tears in my eyes. Isaiah 40. Verses 1 and 2. Comfort ye. Comfort ye, my people, saith your God. Speak ye comfortable to Jerusalem and cry unto her, and that her warfare is accomplished, and that her iniquity is pardoned. For she has received of the Lord's hand double for her sin. Did you know that Israel are going to pay double every sin? When a paramedic goes to a car crash, and um, Sister Cherry's in the children's church, but she must have this on a wards working in a hospital. When a paramedic goes to a car crash, he must straight away prioritize people in most danger. And he, he quickly has to see who is in, who needs to receive help first. And they're trained, normally the one that's screaming, ah, me leg, me this, they're not in most danger. It's the one that's unconscious. It's the one that's bleeding and has got no energy to cry out. They're in the most danger. I want to say to you today that the Jewish people are in more danger than any people on the face of this earth because they'll pay double for their sin. That's what the Bible says there. Now this word double it doesn't mean a numerical double, like twice as much. It means in duplicate or bent, doubled over. That's what the Bible means there. Israel will play in duplicate for their rejection of the Messiah. God will pour out his judgment on them. You know, this is true. 
He's saying fairy stories we're talking about here. God's going to do this. The weight of God's judgment on the Jewish people will bend them over double. The national sin of rejection, it's going to cripple them. As God pours out his judgment of the great tribulation on this world, the time of Jacob's trouble. So just like that paramedic that needs to prioritize the people that are in most danger first, we too need to realize that Israel is going to pay double for their sin, that God is going to pour out and ask a double account for their sin. We should seek out the Jewish people and evangelize them first because God, God's wrath is going to be poured out of them in a double, double account. So it is to the Jew first because they're in more of grave danger than any other people of this world. Now, this doubling over, it's very interesting because in Bible times, um, if you turn to Colossians um, 2, I don't know why I love the Jewish people. I just don't know. I've never met many Jewish people, but I know they're God's people, and I pray for them. And I get upset when people say bad things about them. Not that I, you know, I only like them because I think God likes them. God has chosen them, and that's it. But when I think that they're going to pay double for their sin, and there's so much anti-Semitism in this world, they're a nothing people, they're bombing hospitals, they're this, that, and the other. Majority of it's lies, you know. You know, on that, on the, in the Gaza Strip, you hear so much lies about what's going on there, about water being turned off and now this electric. The Jewish people are passing things through the, through the wall to their enemies. Now, I'm not for one minute saying that the Jewish people are a ex shining example of how to be as God's people, but God has chosen them, and God said in Isaiah 40, they'll pay double for their sin. We need to be like their spiritual paramedic. We need to get to them first. We need to tell them. The whole reason Jesus is coming back is to break the back of the Jewish leaders at that time and force them into a position where they will accept the Lord Jesus Christ as Messiah. They'll pay double. But... In Colossians 2.13, <clears throat> it says there, <clears throat> And you, being dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, have he quickened together with him, having forgiven you trespasses, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that were against um, us, which was contrary to us, and he took it on the way, nailing it to his cross. Now, when you was in debt in um, the Bible, you'd have your certificate of debt. Now, when that debt was paid in full, that debt would be folded over, same word, doubled over, and it would be nailed to a tree. Now, don't you think that's interesting? Paul, in writing this, knew Isaiah 40. He was a Jewish man. So... Jesus has took the list of our sins, the transgressions that we've brought God's commandments. He has folded them up, doubled them over, and he's nailed them onto, the Bible says, his cross, his tree. He's doubled them over and he's nailed them on his cross. Now, don't you find that interesting that the Lord Jesus Christ has doubled over our debt, just like that doubling over of Israel's debt. So 
When someone's debt was paid off or cancelled, the bill was folded or doubled, and it was put on public display, nailed to a tree. God has blotted out or cancelled our sin and has nailed it to the cross through the Lord Jesus' death and atonement on that cross. We're told to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. This peace will only come when Israel's debt of sin is also nailed to the Lord's cross and they repent of their national sin. Now, we've gone through reasons why the Jewish people are, if you like, to be in prominence in our mindset. The Bible says to the Jew first. But there's two ways, or there's probably more if I've got a bit more time, but there's two ways in which they don't have prominence that were equal. And um, we're equal, both Jew and Greek or Gentile, in righteousness and merit. We're completely equal. We've got that same level footing, haven't we? And that same level footing is sin. We don't deserve God's mercy. We don't deserve God to forgive us, do we? Whether you're Jew or whether you're not, whether you're Gentile, we don't deserve it. Turn to Romans 3. This is talking about um, what we're discussing now. What then? Are we better than they, the Jews? No, in no wise. For have um, been proven, both Jews and Gentiles, that they are all under sin. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. So in regards of where we stand, in re- the need to receive in mercy and the need to receive God's righteousness, there is no difference. We're in equal standing, whether you're Jew or whether you're Gentile, we're equal. Righteousness and merit comes only through the Lord Jesus Christ, doesn't it? So, we're equal. Whether you're Jew, whether you're Gentile, whether you're Jamaican, Romanian, Chilean, um, you know, Scottish if you was here, wherever you're from, from this world, we all need to receive God's forgiveness, God's merit, God's righteousness. So we're equal in that regard. The same way that we're equal as well is in actually how we receive salvation. We've looked at ways in which Jews have prominence. Now we're looking at ways in which we are equal. We're equal for the need of receiving merit and we're equal in the way that we need to be saved exactly in the same way. You know, there will be Jewish people that go to hell. It's not being a Jew that saves you. It's believing in the Jewish Messiah that saves you. It's not the national identity of you being able to trace your ancestry back through a thousand generations to prove that you're from the tribe of Levi or Benjamin or Nephtali or whatever. It's coming to the Lord Jesus Christ and asking for forgiveness and you will be a spiritual son of Abraham or a literal son of Abraham. So we're equal in the way that we need to be saved. All men are saved exactly the same way and as we read in Romans 3:29, there it says um, for he's, is he God of the Jews only is he not God of also the Gentiles yes of the Gentiles also <clears throat> seeing it is God which shall justify the circumcision by faith and the, uncums- and the uncircumcised through faith do we not make void the laws through faith God forbid ye we establish the law So we need to come to the Lord Jesus Christ in faith. The Bible says there that the 
The Jews come by faith and the Greeks or the Gentiles come through faith. It's exactly the same thing. We come through the Lord Jesus Christ, whether Jew, whether Gentile, and we receive our salvation. Romans 10, 12. You know this scripture. For there is no difference between the, the Jew and the Greek, for the same Lord overall is rich unto all that call upon him. We're equal. As soon as we call out to the Lord Jesus Christ in asking him for forgiveness, and he graciously helps us to receive mercy, we are equal in our standing in righteousness and merit. We have received salvation. We are equal. God is rich unto all that call upon him. There's no difference between the Jew and the Greek or the Gentile, but we need to call upon the name of the Lord and be saved, as it says in Romans 10, 13. So, this brings us all the way back to where we started in Romans 1, 16, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. But there's another word before to the Jew first and also to the Greek. It says, everyone that believeth. You might feel today that there's something wrong with you, that you're from the wrong family, you've got the wrong background, the wrong education, the wrong language, the wrong colour, the wrong sexual preferences, the wrong morals. But in our scripture, it's the Bible says, everyone who believes, the Lord will not turn anyone away, even if you think that you might not be able to come. It says that everyone can believe. <clears throat> There's only one thing that can rule you out and stop you becoming a Christian. It's believing that Jesus is God, that he paid that price for you of sin on the cross. He doubled that debt over and he nailed it to his own cross, <clears throat> as the Bible says. Anyone can be saved if they believe, not just Jews, not just Gentiles, not just one race, not just one social class, not just one culture, but everyone that believes. Now, I believe that Paul wrote the scripture in Romans 1.16 to the Jew first and also to the Greek to reveal something to us all, obviously, to reveal something very important now to us all. All people, everyone, Jew, Greek, we all depend on mercy. To the Gentile, the Bible says, salvation, it's not, it's not from you, it's from the Jewish people. You're not saved by your Greek culture or any other culture for, for any reason. You're not, salvation hasn't come. Salvation has come, though, through a despised Jewish people. Remember, Gentiles, you don't support the root, the root supports you. Don't boast. When we really take this to heart, it should humble us. Paul, through this scripture, wants to humble Jew, Gentile. He wants to humble us. When we are humble, it should remove all boasting and arrogance and then it should remove any superiority in that we may think that we've got some um, 
ethnic superiority over the Jewish people because we are Gentile, we are this, we are that. But when we realize that the root is supporting us, the Jewish people is supporting us, it should remove and vanish away any anti-Semiticism. Now, when we went to um, the Society for the Distribution of the Hebrew Scriptures, they asked every church that was represented there to pray for the uprising of this anti-Semiticism towards the Jewish people. Now, it wasn't for to pray for the Muslims or to pray for whoever, whoever group of people that are outside of the church. No, they were asking for prayers for believers with, that believed that they were anti-Semitic. This was within the church, God's church, not outside, inside. They said pray because the uprising of anti-Semitism in the church is getting bigger and bigger and bigger. If they are not humbled and realize that salvation has come through our despised Jewish people, they'll become arrogant, and they do, and they are. I've heard so many times, you know, some of the Jewish people just think they can do what they like. This is from a pastor of an amillennial church. The Jewish people just think they can do what they like and get away with it. We have just been in tears over God doubling their sin over. We need to pray that that goes into every single church, God's body, and bends them, the church over to help them realize that God's going to wax his judgment. His cup's going to be filled, trembling in judgment. And the one reason that he's coming back is to judge the nation of Israel. God's the apple of his eye. That's the only reason he's coming back to fence them in a position where they are going to only way of escape judgment is to cry out to the Lord God for salvation. We need to pray against this anti-Semiticism. Thank God. If it's in your heart in any way, you know, people say, oh, I just, you know, I'm not anti-Semitic. Ask God to reveal if you are. We need to be humble. The only way we're going to reach the Jewish people is to be humble. And when we realize that our salvation has come through the Jewish people, it will humble the Gentile people. It will humble us, and we will go with the right attitude. Do you know... When these Bibles are given out by these, there's some ladies that knock doors 24, you know, all, all day, not 24 hours a day, eight hours a day. The Jewish people can't understand that there's churches, Christian churches, that love them. They just can't, that's the opening of the door. They just can't get their head around the fact that there is Gentile churches that are supporting Jewish work, that are giving away free stuff to the Jewish people because the whole of their existence Mind, you know, bearing in mind that God has put them over to judgment, but they've been a despised people. Please don't be anti-Semitic. You know, we shouldn't, we should value other people regardless of any, anything than ourselves, shouldn't we? But don't be anti-Semitic. Don't be. Because if you want to be anti-Semitic, you will be proud. You will be boasting. And you just open the door to other things. But on the other hand, so that's towards the Gentiles. God want, Paul here in our scripture wants to humble us and helps us realize that we ain't as good as we think we are. We need to rely on that blessing of God through that olive tree. But similarly, Paul also says to the Jew, your salvation, it's not your own. It's God's. And the Bible says in Matthew 3, 9, he can make stones 
into the children of Abraham if he wants. That's what God says in Matthew 3, 9. Don't boast, Jewish people. If God wanted to choose a pile of rocks and call them as his people and set them apart and make them into a Jewish people, he could. I mean, we've got the Valley of Dry Bones in Ezekiel, haven't we? God raised up all these skeletons into a people. He can do whatever he wants. But it's, what I'm trying to say is Jewish people don't boast because you're in a, if you haven't got the Lord Jesus Christ as your Mashiach, as your saviour, you're under judgment. God has divorced you, but he's going to bring you back. Repent now before God pours out this double judgment of, of, um, of, of judgment upon you. So just as we need to realize that our blessing has come through the Jewish people, the Jewish people need to realize that their salvation is not their own. Now, the Gentiles to the most Jewish people, um, the Gentiles are a bit of an offense. You know, they call them the Goyim. Is that right, Steve? The Goyim. Yeah, like it's a bit of a derogatory um, word that's put against, you know, you could say if you're not a Jew here, you may even be uh, classed as a Goyim. And it's got a bit of a negative undertone to it. Um, but salvation has now been given to the church. It's been taken away from them nationally. They can come individually, but it's been given to God's church. And now the Bible says he's building his church. We're in the times of the Gentiles. But there's a day when that times of the Gentiles will end and God's favor will go back to the Jewish people and he will draw them back a second time. So the whole point, whether you're an everyone, whether you're a Jew, whether you're a Gentile, we all need to rely on going one thing, and that's God's mercy. Salvation has been spread aboard to the Gentile people now, and this should also humble the Jewish people. Most Messianic Jewish congregations, that is what they call themselves, they are congregations that believe that Jesus is the Messiah and they are Christians. The Bible doesn't necessarily call them that, and I don't know whether I agree that they should be called Messianic Christians. The Bible just calls us all Christians. But I've been to most Jewish believing um, congregations or churches, and they're very nice people, and they've got their own problems like any other churches. But there is some that can become very proud, and they need to realize that they also need to be humbled, just like the Gentiles need to be humbled. Because we all have relied on God's mercy, and that's the only thing. No merit of us, you know, just God's mercy. The Bible says we've all sinned, haven't we, and come short of the glory of God, and that's in Romans 3, 23. So, whether you're a Jew or a Gentile, we must believe. And then we are what the Bible calls, and everyone, we've got to everyone that believes, to the Jew first, and then to the Greek. Now, this everyone doesn't mean universalism. Universalism means everybody's saved anyway. That's what universalism means. Now, that's not saying that because what's the need for judgment? What's the need for hell? Universalism is an error. But there is, the Bible says everyone, doesn't it? Now, does that everyone mean everyone? Because, you know, we know that universalism is wrong. God draws his people, Jew, Gentile, to himself, 
and he draws all kinds of different men. Now, when I say men, I mean men, women, children, whoever God is drawing them to himself. So the everyone is every kinds of different men across the face of the earth. It doesn't mean every single person, but it means every kind of person can come if they believe. So today, are you a Jew? Are you a Greek or what we call a Gentile? Or are you an everyone? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. Amen. Amen.